First Peter chapter 1. You can read verses 1 through 10, have a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll get started. All right, the Bible says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations." that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls." of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we ask that you would bless our Bible study this morning, speak to our hearts in a very real and personal way. We ask that you draw each of us closer to you. We pray for the services throughout the day today. We pray for the Sunday school classes downstairs, that you would bless, Lord, all that's taking place there. You are the teachers and the students, and uh, we pray for the morning worship service and then the junior church to follow, that all that we do today and all that we say would bring honor and glory to you. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, it's going to start a new uh, series entitled Real Church, and it'll be topical each week, and I wanted to just start out this morning with just talking about faith and a real faith. So if you notice on your handout, the introduction, although you can drive throughout or through almost any city in the United States and find church buildings, these buildings do not always house a real New Testament church. There may be a real building, but if there's not a real faith represented by the people there, it's not a real church. So we want to talk about that. A little bit. So in 1 Peter here, when Peter writes this, and uh, he says in verse 1, notice, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So those, those places to us, with the exception of perhaps Asia, are kind of you know, foreign. Like, what, what is he talking about there? Do, so does anybody know what region of the world that would be? It's really a fairly specific country uh, in the world today. In fact, I was there on my way to Egypt, I, uh, Egypt, Israel. I landed in this country. Anybody take a guess? Turkey. 
Yeah, it's Turkey. That's what the area of Turkey today. And um, uh, this letter that we're reading that Peter wrote would have been circulated throughout all the churches in that area. And so while some of these were specific places, some of them are regions, there was little churches that had started, uh, Christians who had come to know Jesus as their Savior. And, and so they would receive a letter like this from Peter, and they would read it, and this is how they would get their instruction in the early days of the church. There was no... Uh, we have a great advantage today. We come to church, we have an Old Testament, we have a New Testament, we have all the completed scriptures, uh, and, uh, but that wasn't the case early on. You know, they just had, um, they had, would have had the Old Testament, but, but the entire New Testament hadn't been all completed as of yet. And it reminds me of a story I've told before of, of sometimes, sometimes we don't value the Word of God, the Bible, like we should. Um, but I distinctly remember a story I heard many years ago about missionaries who had gone to Vietnam and they were preaching meetings in Vietnam. And um, the, uh, the guest that was there after the services were over, the pastor of the church there, he said, did you see those people who came in during the service? And uh, he said, yeah, I saw them. He said, those people walked three days to get here to hear you preach. And, uh, and, and he said, while he was preaching, they were writing furiously, especially when he was reading the Bible, because they didn't have a complete scripture to go back to their villages. So they would hear the word of God as it was read, and they would write it down, and, and they would just have a small portion. It was like, I just read these 10 verses. If they could write those 10 verses down in their dialect, and then they could bring them back to their church, that was a big deal for them. And we kind of take it for granted, don't we? And, uh, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't take it for granted. Just like this weekend is Memorial Weekend, we shouldn't take what took place over the years of this nation and those who died for this nation shouldn't take that for granted either. But real faith, and um, Peter, um, you know, he would write elsewhere, he says, I always put you in remembrance of these things. You know, what does it mean to have a real faith in Jesus Christ? And... Um, Again, he says there in verse 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. This is just an introduction you know, that, that he gives here. But he's writing again really to believers and um, telling them about their faith. So now again on your handout, so the atheist would say this, that there is no God. That's what an atheist is. They just don't believe that there's a God. And atheism has been on the rise in the last 50 years. There's always been a segment of atheism, but um, it's been on the rise in the last 50 years, and, and we see it uh, arise in our culture uh, as well. So we should be mindful of that. But that's what they say, that, that there is no God. The agnostic, they doubt that there is a God. And, um, and so there's always been those that have been around. Um, the religious say you can't always take the Bible literally. And um, there's a lot of churches like that as well, that they kind of like Bible is written by men and they, you know, these are just their thoughts. And we'll talk more about that in, in a few minutes, how the, the Bible is, it's the inspired, infallible word of God. But then the true believer has a real faith. 
And Scripture is what provides you and me with a certainty, a confidence in the person of Jesus Christ. And we have to be mindful of that. That uh, that's, when you think about it, according, listen, ultimately, we're going to talk in a minute about our hope. Ultimately, all of our hope is built in what? Or upon what? All of the hope that we have as Christians is built upon what event in the Bible? The cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything that we hope for is built upon that. And if that's not true, then really what we do here on Sundays and on Wednesday nights is all for naught. But everything is built upon the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the cross of Christ and his shed blood. So take your Bibles just for a second. Turn over to, just to the next book, to 2 Peter. He writes the second letter, and, and he reminds them of that as well. Look, look what he says here in 2 Peter. So, so kind of imagine you're one of these small churches in that area of the country, and this arrives, and now you get the second letter, the letter that Peter sends. So he says this, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So our faith that's placed in the person of Christ will grow and expand as we learn more about God and we learn about the Father's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Peter's reminding these young, new Christians about this. So you go back to 1 Peter now. So three things I want you to think about this morning as we talk about real faith. What does real faith encompass? And... Um, First one is this, if you notice on your handout. Real faith promises hope. It promises hope. Verse 3 of our text. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. And here again is the answer to the question I asked you earlier. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There's where our hope is. Everything is built upon that. Now, notice on your handout, I have here for you 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is a great chapter in the Bible. So again, 1 Corinthians is written to the church in Corinth. And they would have received this letter. And they would have read this from the Apostle Paul. And then down through time, this has been spread throughout all the churches. And we're still reading it today. So this is a chapter just really exclusively about the resurrection of Christ. And this is being written, give or take, about 30 years after Jesus died, was buried, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven. So he writes to this church here, and he says this to them. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. What does vain mean? Somebody tell me. What is the word vain? It's empty. It's worthless. If Christ hasn't risen from the dead, then our, our preaching is, is worthless. And then he says, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, 
if so be that the dead rise not. So let me just stop there. So obviously Paul is dealing with a group of people that are challenging the whole idea of the resurrection. And there are still people today. There's even, there are even some, and I use this term lightly, uh, I don't even know if that's the right way to say this. There are some who claim to be Christians that don't believe Jesus was raised from the dead bodily. They think he was raised from the dead spiritually. In other words, we just carry on the spirit of Christ. But we know that's not true. We know the scriptures tell us when Jesus appeared to the apostles, he said, touch me and see that a spirit hath not um, flesh and blood and, and bones. And, and, he, and, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. But there are people today that, that that's what they believe. No, we don't believe that. We believe he was raised bodily from the dead. Amen. He conquered death. I mean, that's what, that's what our whole faith is built upon. And so when we talk about hope, if Jesus conquered death and sin, that's the greatest, that's the greatest um, challenge that we have in life. Every other challenge or difficulty that comes our way is less than that. So we can place our hope in the risen Savior and his promises. So we continue in the, those verses. If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Now look at this last sentence here. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ, meaning those that have died, those that have fallen asleep in Christ are perished. And he says this, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Well, what does that mean? If in this life it kind of seems, if you, if you just read that and you didn't think about it, almost like a contradiction. First of all, you're t Pastor, you're telling me that all of our hope is in Christ. And then Paul writes, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Anybody have any idea of what, what Paul is communicating there? Yes, Frank. Well, that is true, but that's not what... That, that isn't what um, Paul is trying to, in a sense, what you said kind of is along those lines. Yes, Jim Thompson. I was just going to say, if, if this life is it, once you die, then it's it, then uh, whatever Well, that's true as well. But, but the idea is, if he says this, let me look at it again. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. And I've just been telling you, we need to have hope in Christ. And so what's he trying to get across here? You know? Go ahead. That's true. Making it hard. No, I think everybody is making everybody else. <laughs> All of these are kind of true statements. If in this life we only have hope in Christ, we are men most miserable. No, nope. you're right, but you're you're going in the same direction as everybody else, and and all those things are. are go ahead. 
Well, that's true too. <laughs> In other words, okay. But here's, here's the key. I'll give you, and then I'll, yes, go ahead. This, that's true. Go ahead. Okay. Read, now read the whole, read those verses again. And the, the answer, the clue is in the verses. What's the theme of those verses? What was, I just told you, what was the theme of, of, of chapter 15? All right, anybody want to take another? Uh, everything, all that you said was right. There's nothing that was wrong. Here's the deal. Huh? It has to do with the resurrection. There's been many religious leaders who've died, never were resurrected from the dead. And the whole point of this, what Paul is making is, if just, if just Jesus lived, and he was just a great teacher or a great philosopher, and he, didn't, and he wasn't raised from the dead, we're putting our hope in just a man. We need to, we're putting, but we don't just put our, we do put our hope in a man, but we put our hope in the God-man, Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's trying to get across here when he says that if in this life we only have hope in Christ, we are men most miserable. Meaning if Jesus is just a great religious teacher and he, was, and he, didn't, and he wasn't raised from the dead, then he's just like many other religious teachers down through history that came along and were not raised from the dead. And so our hope is in a resurrected Savior. So two substantial reasons that Paul gives us here in this text. He says this based on the witness of the apostles. So in chapter 1, look what it says over in verse 16. Or, or actually, I meant to go to, uh, go to 2 Peter chapter 1 and look at verse 16. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made un known unto you the power of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. In other words, there was the apostles and there were others who were alive then. They knew Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They were taught by Jesus. They saw Jesus go to the cross. They saw him die. They saw that he was buried, and they also witnessed his resurrection. Uh, real quick, here's a quick Bible quiz. After Ju Jesus rose from the dead, how many days did he walk upon this earth before he ascended into heaven? Take a guess. How many days? Huh? Say 40? 40 days. So for 40 days after his resurrection, um, he walked among the people, okay? And the, the apostles said, well, we were eyewitnesses of these things. We saw these things happen. Flip, flip over to the back side of your handout. 1 Corinthians, there I have for you, 15, 5, and 6. The Bible says, and that he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, then of the twelve, and after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep or some have died. In other words, again, this is 30 years after his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection. And many are, are still alive that saw him that, uh, after he rose from the dead. And uh, the question, if it was all, if it was all a lie... The, the, if you study the life of the apostles and the early church, they were, many of them were martyred for the faith. 
They were severely persecuted. If they just, why would you do that if you just made this up? It wasn't as if they were gaining any money or popularity uh, trying to spread this falsehood. In fact, it's the exact opposite of that. They were ostracized for their faith in Christ and belittled for their faith in Christ. I have a uh, quote here for you in the top of this. What, what happened as a result of the resurrection is unprecedented in human history. In a span of just a few hundred years, a small band of seemingly insignificant believers succeeded in turning an entire empire upside down. That, of course, would be the Roman Empire. These believers faced torture, vilification, and even cruel deaths for what they fervently believed to be true. Why would you do that if you're just making it up? And the apostles, why would they do that? Tradition says, we don't know for sure, but tradition says that Peter was hung, was, was killed. He was hung upside down on a cross. We know that the apostle John, he was boiled in oil. Uh, Thomas, uh, from what I read, went to India and he was speared to death in India preaching the gospel. I think it was Andrew was taken up on a pinnacle and Andrew was told to recant his faith in Christ or they would throw him off the pinnacle and he wouldn't recant. And that's how he died. They threw him off that pinnacle and he was killed. And, and you move on from the apostles. You read Fox's book of martyrs and you see down through history, not only in the, in the Bible days in which these, these words were written, but all down through history, people have been persecuted, persecuted, persecuted uh, for their faith. Um, take a moment and turn to 1 Corinthians. Paul writes a little bit about this here. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians 4. And in our day, uh, we see people being martyred for the faith as well. When, I was, when Shelley and I were in Israel, there was a missionary in, I believe it was Baghdad, I think it was Baghdad while we were there. And he arrived home, and I don't remember if his family was with him or not, but as he got out of the car, uh, some Islamic radicals shot him and killed him. And, uh, and he had a good reputation, even amongst those who were still involved with Islam in that community. And um, when we see that today, this year, there will be hundreds, if not thousands of Christians that will be martyred for their faith. I didn't read the article. I was kind of going, I just turned the, I had to get onto the internet the other day, but something about somebody was caught with a Bible in North Korea. It's illegal to carry a Bible in North Korea. You go to prison, you carry a Bible in North Korea. Just for having a Bible, not, not preaching the Bible, just having a Bible, it's illegal. So why would people do this all down through the centuries uh, if, if it wasn't true? Paul writes this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and, uh, and beginning in verse 11. He said, Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and are naked and buffeted, and have no certain dwelling place. Now, let me stop right here for just a second. Just a reminder, the Apostle Paul, before he became a Christian, was an extremely prominent member of society. An up-and-comer. Had... had position and power, prestige. And when he gave, he gave, he said all of that was but dung, he said, 
that I might win Christ. Dung is like bird, bird manure. He said, that's all. And he gave all that up for Christ. He didn't give anything up. He, he gained Christ. And he says, and we labor, verse 12, working with our hands, being reviled. We bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. That's what he dealt with. You go back to, to 1 Peter. So we have the, the witness of the apostles and the early believers uh, with regards to the hope of the resurrection, but also based upon the word of God. The Bible tells us. That's why we believe. So back here in 1 Peter, and beginning in verse 23, it says that we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God. So the Bible says, listen, the Bible, the word of God, it's not a corruptible seed, it's incorruptible. It's the true, it's the word of God that's been given to us down through the ages, which liveth and abideth forever. He goes on and he says, for all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. This is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So the word of God, we have the word of God. In, in Psalms on your handout, it says this. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. By the way, these words were written about a thousand years before what we're reading here in Peter. It's the words of King David. The Bible says, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So in other words, God promised that when he gave his word, that he would preserve his word from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. And you know, the responsibility primarily is not for you and I to preserve his word, although there is some responsibility there, but God has promised that he would preserve his word, that he would be sure that we have a written testimony. And has, as has often been stated, the Bible is both the most loved book in the world and it is the most hated book in the world. There are people who just absolutely, we live in a culture where a segment of our culture absolutely hates the Bible because the things that are written in it uh, and the instruction that God gives is contrary to much of the direction our culture is going in. Our responsibility the Bible is not supposed to change with the culture. I heard Jerry Falwell say this about 35 years ago. The Bible is not supposed to change with the culture. The culture is supposed to change to the Bible. And um, that's why the Bible is both loved and the other, some people just hate it. So we have the incorruptible word of God that's been given to us. So real faith is based on the hope of the resurrection of Jesus and we place our faith and trust in him to die and pay for our sin. And that's our saving faith. And then we have a growing faith as we begin as newborn babes in Christ. In fact, I wasn't going to turn, have you see this, but, but look over in chapter 2 of 1 Peter. Look at verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word 
that you might grow thereby. So as new believers, it's like a new baby. You give a baby milk and the, the, baby, the baby grows. Elsewhere in the Bible, it talks about the meat of God's word. Some of the, the more difficult things. So we're all between the milk and the meat. And uh, sometimes, uh, even if you've been a Christian for a long time, it's good to go back to the milk, some of the basic things. And um, I'm sure if you're like me, every now and then, I don't need a... Well, I've got to be careful because my wife's here. She might give up. She might, she might have the truth here. I don't eat a lot of cookies. Do I eat a lot of cookies? Probably more than you want me to eat. But, but every now and then, I like a glass of milk and some cookies. Right? And uh, so that's kind of like the milk of the word. But I also like a nice steak every now and then, too. And uh, that's the meat of the word. But that's faith. We build our faith that way. But also, real faith promises heaven. Verse 4 of our text. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. So we have an inheritance. To an inheritance, this lively hope, an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Well, I love, these, I love these verses here, this inheritance that we have. So not only do we place our hope in Jesus, who's paid and died for our sin, but we know that one day we'll spend eternity in heaven. And heaven's a real place. When the Bible uses the word an inheritance, that means the idea is that it's a tangible place. There's a real heaven going on right now. And some of us have loved ones that have died in Christ. And just as much as you and I are doing what we're doing here, there's things going on in heaven right now. That's, a, that's kind of a, a cool thought. And um, we, should, we should take hope in that. Jesus said in John chapter uh, 14, before he was crucified, he said to the disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Heaven, it's a real place. And um, we're to be mindful of that. And, it, and, it, and the scriptures say it's not only an inheritance, but it's incorruptible. It's, un, it's a pure place. It's a holy place. And it fades not away. Before Sunday school this morning, some of us were talking about the flowers that are coming up. And, and I, with the exception of the little gnats that are out uh, yeah, right now, and they're out in fury this year. Uh, I love this time of year because we come out of winter. It's been gray. I'm getting out of mud season. And everything starts to turn green. And everything starts to pop up out of the ground. And the flowers begin, in, begin to bloom. And uh, it's a beautiful time to just enjoy that. And uh, we should enjoy that. Uh, my apple trees on my property all bloomed this past week. So they're all, they start, they're, they only, the blooms only last about a week. But they're all just beautiful colors. Um, and I'm always disappointed. I wish, they, I wish they, they could bloom all season long. But in heaven, maybe they will bloom all season long. And as I, as I was reading this over this morning, uh, 
early in the morning, I was reminded of this, this great hymn. Listen, listen to what the hymn writer said. He said, I'm going to a city where the streets of gold are laid, where the tree of life is blooming and the roses never fade. In this world we have our troubles, Satan's snares we must evade. We'll be free from all temptations where the roses never fade. Loved ones gone to be with Jesus in their robes of white arrayed now are waiting for my coming where the roses never fade. Then the chorus goes this way. Here they bloom, but for a season, soon their beauty is decayed. I am going to a city where the roses never fade. I love that old hymn. And that's, that's heaven. It's a real place and it's a reserved place on your handout. Whosoever, though the Bible says that was not written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. It's an inheritance and it's incorruptible, undefiled, and it fades not away, but only for those that put their personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he's done for them on the cross. You know, we, we live in a time where people think, well, everybody that dies, they, they must all go to heaven. But that's just not what the Bible teaches. You have to have accepted Jesus to go to heaven. You have to have admitted that you're a sinner. You had to admit that before God. You had to believe that Jesus died and paid for your sin and call upon him to be your savior. Jesus said, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. But straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father but by me. Nobody goes to, nobody goes to heaven because they go to church, although church is important. Nobody goes to heaven. There were, there were many good things that everyone said when I asked that question about uh, earlier about if in this life Christ isn't God, then we're men most miserable. Many people will try to earn their way to heaven. They'll try to be a good person. They'll go to church. Uh, some people try to go to church every day. They'll say their prayers. They'll count their beads. They'll do all of these things hoping to gain merit with God. And the reality is that not one of us can gain merit with God. The, the merit that we have... Pastor Ethan talked about merit, I think, a couple of Wednesday nights ago. What is, what is merit again? What is that? We talked about it a few Wednesday nights ago. When I talk about merit, when I say you can't gain any merit with God, what does the word merit mean? Yeah, earn favor. You can't earn any favor with God personally because you're a sinner. Jesus did that for you. So that's why we put our trust in what he did. And now as a believer, as a born-again believer, now we live a life really out of gratitude and appreciation for what Jesus did for us. We, we, Ethan's teaching on Wednesday nights on being a disciple of Christ. That's, that's why. That's what we do. But Revelation tells us, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We're written into the Lamb's book of life because we've accepted Christ as our Savior. Then we're almost out of time, but here, lastly, real faith promises help. So now look at verses 5 through 9. So first in verse 3, it talks about the lively hope, the resurrection of Jesus. 
In verse 4, it talks about this inheritance that's been reserved in heaven. And now verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season if need be. You're in heaviness through manifold temptations. In other words, the trials of life. The trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, whom, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's another hymn that those words are in as well. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. So why, why is it that people, I talked to some people uh, about people who, the apostles or people that are in Fox's Book of Martyrs or this missionary in Baghdad, they put their faith in Christ. They, they have a, a home awaiting them in heaven. They go through the trials and difficulties of life. And uh, the, the scriptures remind us that Jesus is there to help us in our, in our heavy times. Just because we become Christians doesn't mean life's going to be easy. In fact, the scriptures say, all them that live in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There are difficulties. There's a, a real enemy that we have that hates Christ. Say, just as heaven is real, Satan is real as well. And we're mindful of that. But Jesus has promised help in times of need. I know whom... The Bible says, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Our salvation is secure in what Jesus has done for us. We don't have to keep earning it every day of our lives. The day that we accept Jesus as our Savior, we are sealed with the promise that we're saved, we're born again, we're on our way to heaven. Will there be still times that we still sin after that? There will be but we're sealed, we're kept by the power of God. And uh, when you go through those heavy times, sometimes we're leaning more on Jesus, sometimes we're not. We should be leaning on him. And there he's, he's, he's there to help in our trying times. The scriptures talk about the trial of your faith. And quite frankly, uh, you and I, we, I'm sure we all have trials in our lives, but our trials are just not like many that have gone before us or many who are in the world today that are really dealing with difficulties. We're at a time, just the conclusion, millions of people have a church building in which they meet or a denomination in which they affiliate, but, they're not, but do they have real faith? Do you? Do, I, do we have real faith? And of course, of course, that all starts with, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, bless the morning worship service. Let it bring honor and glory to you in all that we do and say. Help our faith to grow. To be, help us to be strong in the faith. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. 
You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.